We were created to be relational. God wants us to know Him. When we do, we are changed, made new. Now, He uses us to connect with others, those in our circles of influence. You see, walking with God reminds us that it's all about relationships. Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I want to introduce Shane Seegers to you. Uh, Shane joined our staff a couple of months ago, and he is going to be, uh, he's filling the role of multi-site director. He's working with all of our pastors at all of our different sites, and he's an excellent teacher of the Bible, and today um, he's going to help me bring the message, the, the first message in our series that we've just started today. It's all about relationships. And today we're going to be talking about the most important thing in the Bible, at least Jesus said it was most important, and that's having a loving relationship with God. And so inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled, Loving God More. And I assume that if you came here today, that would probably be your desire. I can't imagine you going to a worship service and going, I hope I love God less by the time I'm done here, okay? So I'm assuming that you came here and said, hey, I want to love God more, and today we want to talk with you how to do that. So Shane, we're glad you're here. Thanks. Good to be here. And uh, this is something that's important for all of us. It's important at each one of our sites. We want to welcome the folks who are uh, worshiping with us via video at Pike Road and at Cloverdale and uh, over in Wetumpka. And uh, we are so glad that you are with us as well. But uh, today we're going to talk about how to love God more. There are four steps that we want to remind ourselves of as we go through this. And you're going to hear about those today. They're simple steps, but they're the most important steps. And so let me have a word of prayer for us and we'll jump right in. Lord, I just pray that today you'll speak, that you move me and Shane out of the way, that you'll tell us something we need to know about loving you more. So Lord, bless our time together. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, which guides us in all matters of faith and practice. Please guide us today in how to love you better. In just a moment of silence before we begin, if your desire is to love God more, to have a better relationship with him than you've ever had, would you just pray about that right now and say, God, would you help me love you more? Would you help me do that? That's our prayer together today, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you need a pen to fill out the blanks in your outline, just raise your hand, and I'll give you the, first, the answer to the first blank right now. Jesus said the most important thing we can do is love God. Jesus said the most important thing we can do is love God. Would you read that sentence with me, please? Jesus, Jesus said, said the most important thing we can do is love God. One more time. Jesus said the most important thing we can do is love God. Once Jesus was asked about this by somebody who was really trying to trick him with a trick question to see if he knew the Bible. There were a lot of the uh, teachers in uh, Israel at the time when Jesus walked the face of the earth who thought they were super smart and they thought that Jesus was just a country bumpkin kind of uh, hillside preacher and they didn't realize he was the son of God, and they should have because of the miracles he had done, but they thought they could trick him. And so one of them asked a trick question one day. He said, teacher, which is the most important commandment from the law of Moses? Just wanted to see if he even knew what the law of Moses was. And Jesus gave a profound answer. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so Jesus said, you want to sum up the entire Old Testament? I can summarize all the commandments just with two. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And nobody else dared to ask him any more questions. I mean, that's the way we're supposed to answer it. And so Jesus said the first of those, though, is to love God. 
And I wanted Shane to join me on this message, because Shane, this is even part of your story. You grew up going to church, and um, you spent a lot of time uh, reading the Bible and other things, but it wasn't until you got to college where you met some people, and they had kind of a quality of a relationship with God that was something you had never seen before. Is that too, is that, did I get yeah, it right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home and have incredible parents, godly parents, and you know, when you're, when you're a young person, sometimes you're looking for somebody other than your parents to tell you those things. And it wasn't I was doing anything bad, it's just I really wasn't seeking God. And I went to uh, college, and my freshman year, I, I met some guys, and what struck me was uh, their relationship with God. I mean, some of them had just become Christians maybe a year before, or you know, even a semester before. They, and I knew more about the Bible than they did. But their, their relationship with Jesus was real in a way that mine wasn't. I, I guess I'd say I knew about Jesus, but they knew Jesus. And uh, I could see in how they lived their love for God, and, and I wanted to know him in that way. And that's what uh, stood out to me. And, and, and it shouldn't have been a surprise. I mean, that's what Jesus tells us. The world will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And our love for one another comes from our love uh, for, from him and his love for us. And so... It shouldn't have been a surprise, but I'm kind of slow that way. Yeah, so you're telling anybody else you had a drug problem? Yeah, I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. Yeah, there you go, okay. <laughs> but uh, where's the yeah. rim shot yeah. on the drums? We need that. He's, he's always good to set me up. For yeah, set you up time. for that one. Hey, but the whole idea is that this is what we're talking about, because we use that phrase here all the time, it's all about relationships. Well, what do we mean? Well, if I'm going to have a relationship, if I'm going to worship God, we want it to be a, about a relationship with God. Not a performance thing where I go to church X number of times or I go to church more than somebody else does or I know a few key answers, but I know God. I want to be a real Christian, and I think you do too. And so I want to love God more, not less, and I don't want it to be a show. Now, before we move on from this point, when Jesus was talking there in Matthew 22, I think it's worth noting that Jesus was quoting Moses. This is from, Jesus was quoting Moses. This is from Deuteronomy 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. It's from Deuteronomy 6. Right before Israel was going to go into the promised land, Moses, the Lord had told Moses he was going to die and he wouldn't be able to lead them. His aide Joshua would take them in. But So this Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell message. He says, look, I want you to remind you of something that's terribly important. What's most important, love God, heart, soul, mind, strength. Love him with your whole being. But then he goes on, and this is the life application, the next part here, and he warns them about their greatest obstacle to loving God when they get in the promised land. And it's our greatest obstacle too. Our greatest obstacle to loving God may be prosperity. And that's a shocker for some of us, because some of us like to think, well, an obstacle to loving God is when things don't go right, you know, because we've heard of somebody, they don't go to church anymore because life got hard and things didn't go the way they wanted, so they gave up on church. Well, I've heard of people like that too. But let me tell you what. That's not the majority of people I know. I know some people like that. I know tons of people that don't come to church because now they've been blessed. I mean, when life was hard and money was short, oh, they were praying all the time. They're praying for a job. They're praying for health. They're praying for a spouse. But then they get the job. They get married. They get blessed. And all of a sudden, they don't have time. I got to go to the lake. I got to go to the game. I got to go to town. I'm working harder now because I got to get a bigger house. I got to get more. And now all of a sudden the prosperity eats up all their time. 
This is what Moses warned the children of Israel about. Listen to this warning for you and me. The Lord your God will soon bring you into a land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from your cisterns that you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you've eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord. And please circle, forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. That's our big problem. It's one of the things that inspired me and Shane to put this message together is this is something we struggle with. A lot of us, man, when times are hard, we are on our knees praying. When times are good, oh, yeah, I ought to be reading my Bible more. I ought to pray, I guess. And we have one day a year for Thanksgiving, and even then we just eat too much and watch a lot of football and never get around to saying the prayers of Thanksgiving. And so today, this is an important reminder that in order for us to love God, we've got to take the relationship seriously, and there are four steps to help us do that better. So these are four steps to loving God more. And Shane, I'm going to let you start off with step one while I write it on the board here. Okay. Step one says that we must surrender to God. We must surrender to God. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 8 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. How many of y'all want strength for your bones? I want strength for my bones. I love the way that says that. Healing for your body and strength for your bones. Well, you know what? When I start going my own way, that's when life gets hard and I don't know what to do. And what God says, look, I have a better plan for your life than you do. I understand how all of history fits together. I made you and I love you. Will you please surrender to me instead of going your own way? And there's a note here that surrender means trusting God regardless of circumstances or outcomes. Trusting God regardless of circumstances or outcomes. When I surrender to him, I don't have to have all the answers. I just need to know that I'm with him. Shane, what's your take on that? Well, I mean... it's kind of interesting when John and I talked about this starting with surrender. But, you know, surrender is a, a vital part of all relationships where you, uh, you put your emphasis and your focus on the other person. I think about when I got married or when you were married. Uh, for me, I stood up in front of uh, God and witnesses and this minister, and I made statements that I knew nothing about what I was saying. Amen. They, they're, they're called vows. Amen. You know, I didn't really, even though I went to premarital, I didn't understand what I was saying. I didn't know... Uh, how, you know, for better, for worse. I didn't know how worse, worse could be. And we've been blessed, but, you know, you don't know that when you get in. For richer, for poor. I didn't know how poor, poor could be. Uh, and uh, in sickness and in health, definitely have no idea how sick, sick can be for people. And sometimes when people get in a relationship, you know, it's, it's selfish. They're thinking about themselves. What, what's in it for me? But when, when I was married, it wasn't about me. It was about the other person. And so at the very beginning, I didn't know all the details about what our life would look like, but I was pledging Janelle, this person who I love and trust more than anyone else in this world. And because of her love and trust for me, I can make a commitment like this that says, no matter what, no matter what happens, I'm pledging you my faith. This is how I'm going to be no matter what comes about. And I think, you know, when it comes to God, 
that that's the same type of relationship we need to have. It's not a, I'm in this, God, if it all works out for me. I'm, I'm in this because of who you are. That's what worship is. We do it because he's worth it. And um, that's why surrender is so important. Yeah, and there's even a note in your outline that takes it another step further that God surrendered first. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus was the one who died on the cross for my sins. I didn't die for his. Jesus went first. He emptied himself. I mean, be, became a human being and then died a criminal's death on a cross even though he never sinned. He died so we could live. And so when he asks us to trust us, trust him and surrender to him, I mean, he's earned it. I mean, Shane, that matters that he went first. Yeah, it, it definitely does because surrender's hard. You know, I talk to people, I mean, especially in church when we talk about surrendering your life to Christ, their first fear is, Africa. I'm going to Africa. I'm going to be living in a hut. I'm going to have to sell everything I have because if I let God be in control, that's what will happen. He sends everybody to Africa. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but the point is, is that, you know, while that is scary and sometimes it can feel like I'm out of control when we surrender, and we are, and it's an illusion if you ever thought you were in control in the first mm -hmm. place. But the fact is, is that we can surrender to someone we know who loves us so much. That's what I found in my life is that I can, I can trust someone as much as I know they love me. You know, everybody gets a little bit of trust, but, you know, when you know someone loves you, you can trust them more. And think about that. Who loves you more than God? I mean, God is love. I mean, there's nothing about him that's not loving or, or being that way to you. And so we can trust ourselves completely to him, but he's demonstrated that to us by going first and by proving how much he loves us. Here's another important life application for us. Surrender is a choice. Look, we can tell you until we're blue in the face that God is trustworthy. I hope you notice that at all of our locations, whenever you worship at a center point worship service, we lift up the name of Jesus. We sing about how mighty he is, how gracious he is, how kind he is, how he forgives us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. If that's good news to you, by the way, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah, amen. And that's why we sing his praises. All those things are done whenever we praise God and worship him, we're acknowledging who he is. And then God would say to us, well, if you really believe I'm smarter than anybody else, if you really believe I have all power, that I know how things are supposed to fit together, that I have your best interest in mind, and that I'll forgive you even when you fail, why don't you trust me? Why don't you surrender? And people often ask me, well, why doesn't he just make us surrender? Because love is a choice, and so surrender is a choice. Jesus himself modeled this. The night before he was crucified, he prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Wow. I mean, Shane, surrender is a choice. Yeah. And it's a response to what he's already shown us. And, you know, as, as we talk about this, my, John and I want everyone to understand why this is so important. We talk about it's all about relationships here all the time. But what does that really mean? And, you know, these steps, they're not formulaic. I mean, they're not just, if I just do this, this, and this. I just want you to know, this is, this is a part of every relationship. And you need these components in your relationship with God. And don't put so much the emphasis on surrender, although that's what we're asking you. Really, the emphasis is on who are you surrendering to. It's to God. And that's what this starts with. It's easy to follow the one that we know who loves us and has, uh, who knows everything 
and is powerful enough to bring about His will, which doesn't mean that you're uh, spared difficult things, but that he can, He's powerful enough to work all things to the good. I mean, that's who we're surrendering ourselves to. And so step one is it begins with surrender. Step two is you and I, if we want to grow in our relationship with God and love God more, then we need to listen. Shane, would you read that first passage, please? Yeah. 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 says this, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Look, this is why we read from the Bible. You'll have Bible quotations here. You'll hear us say over and over again, virtually every Sunday morning, the Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice because God wants to speak to us through His Word. Now, He speaks to us through other ways, right? Yes, He can speak to us through uh, other Christians. I mean, that's why we listen to, to John and to other people who who can speak God's truth into us. He can speak through us through His Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes He even speaks through circumstances. But what's incredibly important, the reason why we want to emphasize that we listen to God in His Word is because whatever we hear from other people or from circumstances or the Spirit, we have to make sure it lines up with what He's clearly revealed in His Word. That's how we have confidence that it's really God speaking to us. Yeah, if you flip your outline over on the inside, here's another verse, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And if in the margin you'd write the word motives. Motives. People ask me all the time, they go, well, John, I want to listen to God, and, and okay, I want to surrender as well, but I'm trying to surrender regarding my career, and the, the Bible isn't going to tell me thou shalt take a job with company X instead of thou shalt take a job with company Y. I go, right. But I read him this passage and I go, it may not tell me exactly which company but I should take a job with, but it will help me evaluate the thoughts and intentions of my heart, my motives. Am I doing this just for more money, even if it's going to hurt my family? Well, then why would I take that job? Is this going to put me in a place where I'm going to have to compromise my faith? Well, I don't want to go there. Is this something I've been praying about for a long time? Well, then that's where I need to go. And so God's word will guide us and will help us but we have to listen. Now think about this. If I told you, hey, or if somebody came to me and said, John, I want to grow in a deeper relationship with my spouse, I would say, well, hey, you ought to resurrender. I mean, we have, we, we have people that come in all the time and want to renew their vows. Well, all we do there is go over the vows again. Do you still mean for better or for worse? Yeah, I do. I mean, I love it when we're doing a wedding ceremony and the bride and groom are standing in front of me and I can look out in the congregation and and we've just gone through the vows, and they see the guy reach over and grab his wife's hand and squeeze it. They're renewing their vows right there. Or sometimes she's hitting them and going, remember that one? <laughs> okay, well, that's all there. But then I also have to tell them, hey, if you're going to have a deeper love with your spouse, you better listen. I thought all the women would say amen. Nobody said anything. Okay, but we need to listen. And Shane, listening is a key part of the relationship, right? Yeah, I mean... Uh, and, the, and the thing that I found is that God is, is so much more willing to speak than I am to listen. You know, there was a time in my life where I just felt like, you know, I could see what I would say. I would say it like this. Oh, my dad, or my, God speaks to my dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, God speaks to this minister and whatever. But I don't know if he speaks to me in the same way. And what I found is that, no, God, God wants to reveal himself to you just as much as to anyone else. And he's always speaking. And we just need to learn to listen. 
And I found when I started reading my Bible, it was amazing how much more God started speaking to me. Oh, yeah. If we don't read it, it's like, my goodness. Here's a note that goes along with it. God reveals his will through his word. Oh, I want to know God's will. Well, are you reading the Bible? Oh, no, I haven't had much time. It's really hard to know God's will without studying his word. I mean, if you want to know God's will, read his word. If you need Bible reading plans, give us a call. Uversion.com or Bible.com now. Uh, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If I want to stay away from sin and get on God's best plan for my life, I need to put God's word in my heart and in my head. I need to read it, meditate on it, and get it inside of me. We'll help you on that if you need any help. And, and even, just to note, it, it really starts more with the attitude of surrender. Mm. I mean, one of the most important things you can do, because some of us feel like, well, I'm not a Bible student. I don't really know how to read or study the Bible. And like John said, we can help you in that. But you know, the one thing that we can't give you, because we can give you tools and we can give you some stuff, we can't, we can't change your heart to be the person that says, God, I just want to hear from you. I promise, if you open up God's Word and you go with that heart that just says, God, I want to know you. I want to know what your will is for me. I, w I need your direction. I mean, it, Scripture says that if we seek, we'll find. And God is not a God up there in heaven going, oh, he, they're never going to find this out, or I'm hiding. <laughs> He wants to reveal Himself. He wants to, to guide you into truth. That's why He gave you His Spirit. And if we, if we open our attitude and say, God, speak to me, I promise you, when you open up the Word, it will come alive in a way that you never thought possible, whether you think you're a Bible scholar or not. The good thing is you don't have to be a Bible scholar to hear God's voice. No. You just need a teachable, open heart that says, Lord, speak to me. And that's why surrender comes first, because if we don't surrender, it doesn't matter how much you read, because we're just going to be saying, well, I'm not sure I want to do this anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, that puts us in a situation where, I don't know about y'all, but uh, where we're just looking out for our own good, and that puts us kind of judging whether or not I want to do it. That's why we start with the attitude, because if we don't have the right attitude, we might not like what he says. And, you know, when we read that passage about Second Timothy, sometimes it corrects us. And correction is not always easy. Sometimes we don't want to hear that. And so it's real important that, that we have that right attitude and that we're willing to listen. So I kind of use uh, a hand thing to help people kind of understand that because what we want to do is if this is God, and everything we know about God is that God is good, I mean, you have to really believe these things about God. He can't just be an idea. He has to be a real person, that God is love, that he is powerful. This is the God that we're submitting ourselves to, that we're surrendering ourselves to. And then we start to listen to his word because we know anything that he says is a reflection of his character and for his will to be done in our life, which is good, perfect, and pleasing that mm -hmm. Romans 12 tells us about. And so we want to stay underneath it. And so if I have the right attitude, it doesn't matter what he says because I, I trust him and I know it's going to be for my good. But if we start out with the mindset, well, I want to hear what you have to say first because then I'm going to decide whether or not I want to go. We haven't made the surrender like we did with our vow, say no matter what, I'm in. We find ourselves over here on the side, like, here's God, and we're skeptical. Well, God, what are you going to say? And how is this going to work in my life? And I don't know if I like the results. I don't know if I like the, what I might have to do. Or sometimes we find ourselves here, where we actually put ourselves over God. And it's not about God at all. It's about us. And sometimes we're just telling God, this is what I want. Or if we're interested in God, it's to find out how we can manipulate Him mm. to get Him to do what we want. I just want to tell you all right now, that's not a relationship. Manipulation is not a relationship. Loving surrender is a relationship of trust and communication where God is revealing himself and his will to us, 
and we're revealing ourselves to Him and, and submitting to that, that's when you'll see God's will being done in your life. And I promise you, while it might be difficult, we say that the safest place is always to be in the center of God's will. You ever hear that? But yet, too often, we say it, and then we find ourselves going, well, I don't know, definitely not. But yes, it's true. Yeah, I mean, Shane showed me this years ago that he used that in pastoral counseling, and sometimes I do. And so I go, would you say you're here, or would you say here? And they go, well, I'm kind of doing the hand jive. You know, I'm back and forth. Well, you do it better than I do. Anyway, but I'm kind of doing the hand jive here. Sometimes I trust God, sometimes I don't, and a lot of times I'm in between. Well, if you're not going to love God more, then we have to surrender and say, God, regardless of consequences or the outcomes, I'm going to stay here. You just got to give me the strength. Yeah. Now, that business of wrestling with that, that brings yeah. us to the third step. Well, and while he's writing oh, this, let me just say something more about that. If you find yourself wrestling right here, can I just tell you, it's because you don't understand something about God and his love for you. And that's not meant to be a, a condemning thing. It's just to say, when you understand who God is and his love for you, it's much easier to surrender. So sometimes we know already what it is he wants us to do. We struggle with his goodness and why he'd want us to do that. Yeah, and so when we wrestle with this of whether I'm going to go my own way, I'm up doing my own thing, or whether I'm going to be surrendered to God, or just somewhere between this wrestling and getting ourselves here all the time, well, that's an important and part of that conversation with God as we're dealing with what He's told us and other things. That's called prayer. Yeah. And so if I want to grow deeper in my relationship with God, I need to pray. And so um, there's an important scripture that I yeah. uh, think would apply to us right here, and that's this. That this then is how you should pray. Jesus said this in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, which means his name is above all others. It's just what Shane was saying. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if under, under on earth there, if you'd write these words, in my life, that's how I would apply that to me. That our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Would I be willing to pray that? And say, well, I don't know, because if God told me to do something hard, how do I get there? And, and Shane, that's what prayer is. It's, it's wrestling with that, right? Yeah. So, you know, prayer, it, it is talking to God. So, so often we're talk, ta- taught it's just talking to God or asking things of God, presenting your request. But it's much more than that. Now, the great thing is because it is a relationship, he wants us to bring our request. Oh, yeah. He teaches us and says for that. But it's so much more. And I find that when we have a wrong view of prayer... We're really trying to get God to do our will. But prayer is not about changing God to meet our will. It's about changing us to come in line and, and to do God's will. And so it's real important that we have this, this right attitude about what prayer is. And that's the note. Very often the hardest part of praying is aligning our will with God's will. First John 5, John wrote this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, please circle according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. And people go, well, what's that talking about? How could you be asking things not according to his will? Well, a lot of times people aren't looking to get an answer from God according to his will. They just want to know the formula to get what they want. What are the magic words? So if I end the prayer in Jesus' name, is then God obliged to give me whatever I said before that? Because here's my lottery ticket and I want to win in Jesus' name. Or... Because we'll tithe. Yeah, and I'll tithe. Oh, yeah, it'll be good. Um, or what if I'm driving the getaway car from robbing a bank and I go, Lord, I pray that all the stoplights will turn green in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Well, that's not according to his will. And so 
we always want to look for, hey, what's the magic formula so I can rub the lamp and then God the genie has to give me a, a free wish? And God is saying, well, no, wait. Remember Jesus said the most important thing is to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Have a right relationship with him? Have a relationship with me. Surrender to me. Listen to me. And then let's talk about this. I mean, that's what prayer is. It's that wrestling. Yeah, and alignment. I mean, it's just like in a relationship with your spouse. Again, you know, it does talk about putting the needs of the other person mm. and listening and finding out what those needs are. But then if you don't say, okay, I want to do something about that. I want that desire to become my desire so I can meet that need in your life. It doesn't happen. And, and prayer is when we get to do that with God. Because he knows everything that's already going on in our, in our minds and our hearts. It's not like he's surprised. And that's why sometimes people go, well, I've been praying about this for two years. Why do you think God hasn't given an answer? Well, maybe the right answer is going to take two years. But that's not my time frame. Or maybe I'm praying, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. And God goes, really, I want you to have that. And I didn't like that. I didn't vote for that. Well, that's where the surrender part comes in. Now, here's one big benefit that we have, and a lot of times people don't know these verses. Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27 with me, because they point out that God helps us pray when we don't know what to pray. I mean, sometimes we get to this point, and we're listening. We really are listening, but we're going, God, I, I mean, I can't believe you're asking me to, to forgive this person. I mean, you know how stubborn my husband can be, and I've tried everything in our marriage. God, seriously? Well, listen to this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So God knows we're weak. For example, we don't know what to pray. Or we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. There are times we're going, God, I, I don't know what you want from me. I thought I was doing the right thing. And now it's not turning at all like I want. God, what do I do? Well, you can say, I'm cashing in this verse, Lord. You're going to have to intercede for me. Because if you know my heart, then you know I don't know what to do. I mean, what's really funny is that people will come to my office and they'll go, I'm so mad at God. I've done this and this and this, and now it's not working out. Nothing's working out. And I go, well, let's pray about that. Well, what are we going to pray? Well, we're just going to tell God you're mad and you don't know what to pray for. And they go, well, I don't want God to know I'm mad at him. <laughs> it's like, he already knows. But that's how crazy we are about this. I don't want God to know I'm mad. Well, he knows you're mad. Just tell him you're mad. Well, I don't know what to pray for. I know. So God, show me what to pray for. I want a relationship with you. You want what's best for me more than I do, but I don't know what's going on. Why can't I talk that way if he's really my heavenly father? Yeah. And see, this is what makes it so great and why you see it's a relationship. Because even in that part where we look at it's our response and how we're praying to God, there's still a <laughs> surrender aspect to it. Because even if you don't know what to pray, you can surrender to the one who's going to pray his best for you and you can be confident and that's why you can just sit there and go oh i don't know but god does and he loves you enough to say okay in your confusion just trust me because mm. i see what you don't see i know what you don't know i can accomplish what you cannot accomplish and even if you knew you wouldn't be able to come up with the idea to get it as good as i'm going to get it so even in your uncertainty if we're surrendered to god we can have complete confidence even in that and that's why when the disciples saw Jesus praying, they said, can you teach us to pray that way? I mean, they'd grown up going to Sabbath school or whatever the version of Sunday school was then. Okay, they, they'd heard prayers, but they didn't hear anybody pray like that. Where, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but yet not my will but yours be done. I mean, who prays like that? 
And who talks to God like he's talking to his father? Well, Jesus did, and he said, that's the way I want you to pray. And that involves surrender and listening, having real conversations and trusting him that even if you don't know what to say, he knows what to say. Yeah, because it's not just about your emotions either. You know, sometimes we pray for things that we want or that we feel or whatever. But I just want you to know that this wrestling, it's all about your will. And the great thing is that your emotions will respond. Even, you can choose something and you can want what God wants even when you don't necessarily feel it. And that's why Jesus, three times in the garden, if there's any way, I mean, emotionally, you know, it was a little bit iffy. But his will, his desire, his, his relationship was solid. I'm still going to seek you. And that's why he could pray, not my will, but your will be done. And then allow your, your emotions to come along in line. Because God will do that. If you take that step, he'll work and he'll bring the rest in line. Step four, we need to obey. I mean, sooner or later, the rubber has to meet the road for a relationship to work. I mean, I can pray and listen, and sometimes I need to listen and pray because I don't know what God wants me to do, but there's other times I've prayed enough. I know exactly what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. Any amens on that one? Okay, you're a bunch of sinners. No, we're all a bunch of sinners. Of course we are. Don't just listen to God's word. Listen to what James wrote about this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I want to be blessed. I want a real relationship. I want to love God more. Well, then he asked me to take a step on faith and trust him. Even if I don't think the consequences are going to be good, I've got to trust that he knows more than I know. And so that brings us to a life application. God wants joyful obedience, not legalism or empty ritual. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. Again, it's, it's real easy sometimes to go to church and you just get a list of things you should do. And it's just mm. obey because that's what the Bible says. And that's it. And there's truth. I mean, it's God's word. We need to obey. But it can be just compliance. It can just be empty ritual. It can be all those things if our heart is not in this relationship. And that's what this allows us to do. This allows it to get to the place where obedience is a joyful response. Because when I'm, whether I, it's something I want to do or something I struggle to do, I'm constantly reminding myself who it is that I'm submitting myself to and why I can trust and, and why this is good. And then I'm listening. And like John said, probably most of us, the issues that are going on in our life, it's not that we don't know what we should do. We already do know a lot of the time what God's told us. But we still need to be listening and reminding ourselves what God has said. And then praying, working it through to say, God, I, I want this. No matter how I feel or no matter what I see, I'm not basing it on my feelings or my circumstances or even the desired outcomes. I'm basing it on you. And then when I get there... That allows me to have a joyful obedience. It's a response to Him, not just so much now, I'm checking it off on my list, or I'm just doing it because it's my duty. You know, because there's no joy in that. There's no relationship in that. You don't, you don't feel like He's your Father. You feel like, I'm just down here, and I'm just always trying to please somebody who can't be pleased. And that's not how God has revealed Himself at all to us. 
two scriptures that apply, 1 Samuel 15, 22, what's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering the fat of rams. That was Samuel in the Old Testament. Here's Jesus in the New Testament. You hypocrites, and he's talking to the same people who tried to trip him up with that trick question we started with. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they, only, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. I don't want my worship to be a farce. I don't want to mail it in on Sunday. I don't want to do just enough that everybody else will think I'm a Christian. I want God to think I'm a Christian. I want God to know I love him. I mean, how would I love my wife more? Well, I'd recommit myself to my vows and re-surrender my will to putting her first again. I would listen to her. I would talk with her. And I'd give her the benefit of the doubt when I didn't understand her. And for a guy, that's, that's a lot. Okay, that's what happens a lot of times. Okay, and then when I knew the right thing to do to please her, I'd do it. Well, that makes sense. But these things are forgotten too many times, and so many times we're just looking for, hey, what's the bare minimum I can do so I won't go to hell? Or what do I got to do so I go to heaven? You know, there are the magic words, or how, much, how many verses do I need to memorize? How many times do I need to go to church? How much do I need to put in the offering plate? And God would say, look, I want you to give, but give joyfully. I want you to pray. I want you to pray real substantial prayers, real substance. I want you to obey me because you love me. So today, maybe the Lord's been speaking to you. Is there a point of surrender in your life where you need to surrender something and you're just being stubborn? Do you need to listen? Did you used to read the Bible a lot and now you don't do that anymore? You don't have time? Today would be a great day to start again. Are your prayers substance or is this just God is great, God is good, let us thank him for food by his hands, we all are fed, give us Lord a daily bread, amen, pass bread. I mean, is that our prayer life? That's not enough love God more, and I'm willing to obey him when I know the right thing to do. Shane, why don't you pray for us? Yeah. Father, I want to thank you that um, you, you've been so good to reveal this to us, and this is not something that uh, is just for new believers. This is something whether we've been walking with you for 30 seconds or we've been walking with you for 30 years. This is, this is how we love you. This is how we express that love and how we receive that love from you. And God, there might be people in this room today who they want to trust you. They want to surrender their life to you, but they don't know if you love them because they're just not sure that, that you do. Maybe they think you're mad at them. But God, you, you've, you've set that clear for all of us once and for all when, when your word tells us that, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That's how you demonstrated your love for us. God, we can be certain that you love us. So God, I pray that because we know you love us so much that we'd surrender our lives to you. And that God, that your spirit would open our ears to hear your word and to hear your voice. That, God, we might know you and your will for us. And that in those areas where our life doesn't line up, that what we know, God, we would submit to you and we'd pray through. That, God, we'd really seek you to change our hearts so that we can line up with what you said. And then, God, that there would be just a joyful response so that what we do, that people could see the proof of our faith. And that, God, you would be glorified and we would experience the good of walking in your will. I pray that you would do that for us. And that we'd be a church that does that. 
so everybody could see the difference in our lives, just like I saw the difference in those other guys' lives, that we really love you, and it makes all the difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, um...